Hi, welcome to Witch Witch is Witch. It's a pop culture podcast about ladies who use magic. I'm Regina. And I'm Derek. And today we're going to be talking to you about two pretty extraordinary witches. I think our witches today are really interesting because both of them, while powerful in their own right, are mostly known for being childhood best friends with dudes who would eventually overshadow them. Mm. Which is unfortunate because both of our ladies are so badass and so powerful. Mm-hmm. So tell me, Derek. Tell me about your witch. So today I want to talk about Zatanna Zatara, a member of the Justice League, who you may know as a superhero team with members including Superman, Wonder Woman, The Flash, Green Lantern, and most importantly, Batman. Zatanna was childhood friends with Bruce Wayne when her father, Giovanni Zatara, was teaching him the art of escape. Because even before he was training to be Batman, he still wanted to have physical skills. And Zatara was the most renowned magician in the land. He actually debuted in the same comic as Superman, Action Comics number one. Zatanna is his daughter. And she starts off as a stage magician, pulling rabbits out of a hat, cutting people in half, making them levitate, but all sleight of hand, not real magic. It's not until her father disappears and she goes on a quest to find him that she discovers she has real, actual magical powers and then uses them to help fight crime and do cool things like that. What was it? Some kind of hologram? Or was it the real thing? It's called sorcery, Bruce. Usually I play it straight, but for the big closer I throw in a little... I'm going to interject really quick because I just had a revelation about Zatanna. Mm -hmm. Her badass costume is kind of a showgirl. It's, it's it's like a onesie with a with a top hat, and she. I get it now because she was a stage magician, and that's mm -hmm. it, that's exactly what her costume references exactly and now it makes so much more sense yeah her uniform is just a stage magician's outfit all she does is she wears you know the white button-up shirt the white vest the bow tie the coat and tails and then she has fishnets and long boots that's it like she looks like she belongs on stage at las vegas or atlantic city pulling rabbits out of her hat yes because that's where she got her start she never felt the need to like put on a mask or a cape or anything she's just she's a magician and this is what she wears for her shows and so she just kind of rolls with that she's proud of who she is that's awesome she has a great costume and a really terrific hat you should take the look we'll we'll link a uh, an image of zatanna in our um social social media and our twitter account so that you guys can all enjoy how awesome her costume is cosplay her and send us pictures she's an easy cosplay and everyone will recognize it so uh now that we've had a little introduction to zatanna uh let's go down the five laws does the magic user in question identify as female yeah zatanna is definitely a female she's very often associated with males especially in her family you know her father is giovanni zatara who's a well-regarded magician of his own right her cousin is also a zatara named magician she is a mentor to a young timothy hunter but she herself is definitely a lady that's why she embraces the traditional female stage magician uniform complete with unfortunately revealing stockings all right how about our second law practicing magic I, it seems to me 
Like she's practicing both supernatural and sleight of hand magic. Yeah, she's a double threat. She can pull a quarter from behind your ear and she can also uh, cast invocations. Zatanna is one of my favorite examples of execution of magic in pop culture because more often than not, her spells will be vocal commands, but they will be said backwards. The way that she casts a spell is she'll say the thing that she wants to have happen, but she'll say each word backwards and she'll pronounce it backwards. This works extraordinarily well on the written page because she's primarily a comic book character because as a reader, you can read those words forward and backwards and be like, oh, that's what she's saying. When she's in film media, she's been in a number of cartoons and animated movies and things like that. She was in the Smallville TV show for a while too. It's harder to understand unless you have subtitles on. My favorite recent version of Zatanna in pop culture was on the cartoon Young Justice on Cartoon Network for a couple of years. In that one, they're teenagers, but they're still the same basic idea. For example, sometimes you're not really ready to fight supervillains. So at one point, she's wearing impractical heels. And when they're being chased by a bad guy, she's like, Okay, these boots, adorable, but for a chase sequence, classic carburetor of one. Which backwards is practical footwear now. That is the most useful incantation I've heard in a really long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Similarly, later on, when she's tied to a chair, she says, And that's ropes come loose, and it unties her. So she needs to practice these in advance because she needs needs to be able to say them fluidly. But once she has a sentence in her head and she can recite it, she can basically do anything she wants. Her magic is really cool like that. On one or two occasions in the comics, she's been made unable to speak. Either a magic spell somebody else is using will take away her mouth, or she'll like have her windpipe knocked out and she won't be able to say words. And so she'll actually like cut her hand so that she's bleeding, and she'll write the words backwards in her own blood, and it will have a similar effect. That is so metal. Yeah. That is the most metal magic use I've heard of in a really long time. She's pretty hardcore like that. She's really hardcore. Let's move on to our third law. Uh, Does Zatanna demonstrate feminism? Oh, definitely. She was one of the first DC superheroes to really hold her own against the guys. Sure, there are other female DC superheroes. Most notably, you've got Wonder Woman. But in Zatanna's first real run of appearances... She got into fights with Hawkman, the Atom, Green Lantern, Batman and Robin, all in like her pursuit of answers to the questions of what happened to her father and who is she and what is she doing. And that was just in her first appearance. That was before she even joined the Justice League. She was one of the first like major female members of that team, and she's had a long-standing presence there ever since. Yeah, Zatanna is definitely one of the front-runners in terms of female superheroes in the DC universe. And she has far outshone her male relatives, her father and her cousin. When people say the name Zatara, which is the family's last name, they think of Zatanna. Not just because her name rhymes, but because she is the most prominent member of that family. So I I hear what you're saying. It sounds to me like, you know, she's she's pretty powerful. She's kind of pursuing her her goals in a single-minded kind of way. 
But would you say that she is also looking to promote equality of opinion of female superheroes? For instance, I know she's not in, in the in the Justice League. She's not the only uh, female superhero on that team. Does Are there ever instances where she is looked down upon or maybe underestimated because she's a female on this team and then proves her worth otherwise? In the comic Identity Crisis, written by New York Times bestselling crime author Brad Melter, basically a B or possibly C list supervillain abducts one hero's wife, rapes and kills her. And the Justice League has a lot of issue of what to do about that because they're the good guys. They don't kill. They just put people in jail. And this was a horrific crime. It was a real turning point in DC Comics of making them much more mature, making them not so much for kids and teens, but making them for 30-somethings who grew up with Batman and wanted him to rise to their level. And so the Justice League, what they decided in a split vote was that Zatanna would wipe this guy's memories and alter his personality using magic. And when Batman found out about this, he was like, oh, hell no, you're not doing this. We don't play that game. And Zatanna instantly wipes his memory. And it's like, anybody have a problem with that? No? Cool. We're doing this. And the rest of the Justice League is suddenly like, wow, okay. And when Batman eventually realizes what happened, he feels betrayed by one of his oldest friends. He can't trust her anymore. And Zatanna is like, I don't need your approval. I don't need your trust. I'm doing what needs to be done. Screw you, Batman. Go ahead, Satana. Yeah, so if that's not standing up for your own place in the world against the supposedly reigning men in your life, I don't know what is. I dig it. So the fourth law is, is Zatanna persecuted or misunderstood? I would refer to that particular instance again, where many Justice Leaguers, primarily Batman, take real issue with her willingness to cross that line and use her powers in that way. More importantly, I would say her misunderstanding comes from the creators, because <laughs> in her supposedly her very first appearance, Batman and Robin are being tormented by an anonymous witch, just a woman in a purple cloak flying on a broom and sort of tormenting them. As you do. A couple months later, they retconned that and said, oh, that was Zatanna. You know that girl who's in Hawkman right now? That was her also. It's like, no, she wasn't. What are you talking about? <laughs> they, should, they just want an excuse to have her have also faced Batman and Robin. So her one appearance as a like specified witch instead of as a magician was an unfortunate instance in Golden Age superhero comics. Wow. So the fifth and final law is, is Zatanna bonded to a sentence larger than herself? This is where magic in the DC universe gets a little tricky because some characters get their power from great beings from another dimension or from gods or from things like that. Zatanna belongs to what is referred to as Homo Magi, which is an offset of the human race that has a gene that allows them to use magic. Not everyone who uses magic in the DC universe is Homo Magi, but the ones who have that gene are predisposed to use it. So for example, are you familiar with John Constantine from the Hellblazer comics and the movie I and TV show? I am. So he in addition to being one of Zatanna's ex-lovers, is not homo magi. Scandal. He is pure human, and so he had to rigorously study books and make pacts with demons and do all sorts of like blood deals to get what limited magic he has. 
Whereas Zatanna, right off the bat, just had it in her blood already. It was like, oh, cool. Hey, magic. Boom, 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 boom. So either the magic is inside your blood or you need to take the blood out of your body in order to get the magic. Let's go with that. Okay. That works. That makes that's, about as much sense as anything in DC Comics does. Perfect. I would say she's definitely female. She definitely uses magic. But as far as demonstrating feminism, being persecuted or misunderstood, and being bonded to a larger sentience, those are all a strong, eh, maybe. I think the sentience one is probably, I'm going to lean towards no there, because she's got the magic in her blood. She's not necessarily like, you know, sitting down in her pentagram, summoning somebody with her blood outside of her body. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm, I don't know. So for Satana, we would say yes, yes, maybe, maybe, no. Yeah. Cool. So now that we've cleared that up, why don't you tell us about the witch that you brought today? Who is your witch this week? My witch this week is a favorite of many, I'm sure, Hermione Granger. Holy cricket, you're Harry Potter. I'm Hermione Granger. And you are? Um, Ron Weasley. So Hermione Granger as most everyone is probably familiar with is the one of the members of the so-called golden trio in the Harry Potter series that is made up of Harry Potter, Hermione Granger and Ron Weasley. Uh, she is quote unquote the brightest witch of her age and she is basically the reason why the world doesn't end in the Harry Potter series because Harry Potter is kind of hopeless and it's really should be titled Hermione Granger and that guy who I've got to get out of another stupid problem again. Yeah, as far as I'm as far as I recall, all seven Harry Potter books basically involve Harry screwing it up and Hermione saving his ass. Pretty much. Or Harry not having a clue and Hermione figuring it out. Or Harry needing to do something and Hermione being the one to do it. Yeah, Harry ultimately saves the day each time, but Almost every one of those instances is he didn't know what to do and Hermione was like, ooh, do the thing. And he's like, well, okay, I'll do the thing. Hey, I saved the day. Yeah. Everybody loves Harry Potter. Woo. Yeah, that is Hermione Granger. Yeah. Yes, everyone loves Hermione. She's wonderful. So moving on to the five laws, the first one is identifying as female. Does Hermione Granger identify as female? She does. She does identify as female. It becomes clear right away in the stories that her being a girl is something that is a bit of a challenge at the beginning with her making friends and later on um, with people questioning her magical prowess. But she definitely identifies as female. And she actually seems to be looked down upon by some of the other students at Hogwarts simply because she's female. They seem to assume that she's less than them. I'm specifically referring to people like Draco Malfoy. I thought you were going to say Ronald Weasley. Because Ronald <laughs> Weasley also looks down on her because she's a girl. Ronald Weasley tends to expect much less of her, despite the fact that she repeatedly shows him that she is better in every way conceivable. It It, it, is, a, it is a down side in Ronald's mind that Hermione is a girl until puberty hits him real hard and then it's great that she's a girl. 
But yes. Oh, this girl has been impressing me for years. Suddenly, I have use of her, <laughs> which is a horrible way to think of other <laughs> it's people. It's really pretty terrible. It's a disgusting way to think of other people, Ron Weasley. You're Come on, bad. Ron Weasley. Y- you know what? My favorite Weasley is Molly Weasley. That woman, that woman... With or without magic, that many kids, first of all, and she knits all those sweaters. I'm a big knitter. Oh, God, And listen, that's a lot of sweaters. She's got all kinds of crazy magic, and at the end with Bellatrix, and spoiler alert, this is thing that happens with Bellatrix, and she's awesome. So Molly Weasley, A+, Ronald Weasley, get the heck out, because you're terrible. Molly Weasley is also often the best thing in Harry Potter's life. She's wonderful to him. She is. She is. Anyway, enough about characters who aren't Hermione Granger. Moving on to the second law, does Hermione Granger practice magic and how? She does practice magic. She is, as I mentioned, the brightest witch of her age. She is frequently the first in her class to master whatever spell that they're learning at any given time. And she also is kind of a compendium of magic that's above and beyond the skill level of her two best friends, Harry and Ron. And often that is really important because that's how they navigate all of the troubles that they end up getting into. Yeah, and the headmaster of the school seems to recognize that she is constantly looking to further her skills above and beyond her class. He sort of is a co-conspirator with Hermione in terms of getting her more experience, getting her more tools in her arsenal. Like He gives her the time turner so that she can go to more classes to be more powerful and learn more magic. Exactly. And, and then there's really exciting and mind-bending things happening with time travel. And, uh, of course, there is a problem that needs to be solved. And again, Harry is the one supposedly to solve it with Hermione's help, but she's the one who gets them out of all of the dangerous fixes, like when they're going to be attacked by a werewolf, or at least when one of the one of their selves in the overlaid time streams is going to be attacked by a werewolf. What are you doing? Saving your life! Thanks. Now he's coming for us. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Run! It's time travel, so it's complicated. But yes, there is definitely an overwhelming enthusiasm by everyone pretty much within the Harry Potter universe. But also, as fans, pretty much everybody is excited about how awesome Hermione is at doing magic. Sweet. So yeah, moving on to our third law... Can you tell me if and how Hermione Granger demonstrates feminism? Well, I can't think of a specific example um, to call out, but there were, I know, instances within both the books and the films where she is coming up against the patriarchy, essentially, and kind of holding her own as saying that women are not inferior to men, and she time and again proves to both Harry and Ron that her being a girl is not a hindrance to her 
practicing magic or doing whatever it is that needs to be done. I think the other thing that's interesting about Hermione is that she is interested in equality, not just for women, but for other beings as well. She starts her whole campaign for the house elves' freedom, which is admirable if a little bit short-sighted because she's taking on the cause for house elves and they are really not interested in having her champion for their freedom. They don't, they actually don't want that whatsoever. So in some ways it's cool because she's like, yeah, she's like an intersectional feminist, but actually she's really more of a hashtag white feminist. So sorry, Hermione. Yeah, she basically starts a civil rights movement without doing all of her research first. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, so fourth law of witchcraft. Can you tell me if and how Hermione Granger is persecuted or misunderstood? Well, Hermione is definitely persecuted in the book because she is um, born of non-magical parents. And there's a a racial slur that's used in the book called mudblood that is used against her many times by Draco Malfoy, as you mentioned, um, that's actually like carved into her arm by Bellatrix Lestrange. She's definitely persecuted for her parentage. I think that she is often misunderstood because Hermione has a really great moment in the film. You are brilliant, Hermione, truly. Actually, I'm highly logical, which allows me to look past extraneous detail and perceive clearly that which others overlook. Yeah. Is Hermione Granger bonded to a sentience larger than herself? The answer to that is no. Her magic comes from a magical gene, much in the way that Zatanna has uh, magical genetics. She's uh, homo magi. Uh, There is a magical gene in the Harry Potter magic universe system that basically if you have this magical gene and it's being expressed, you're able to be a witch or a wizard, which goes to explain how there can be two people who are non-magical that have a magical child and two people who are magical could have a non-magical child because it's all genetics. And the way that the magic works in this universe is that if you have this gene, you are able to manipulate the magical force that is existent in the world all around us. And if you don't, then tough luck for you. You can wave as many wands as you want, but you're not going to float that feather. So that suggests to me the fact that two non-magic users could have a magic using kid and that two magic users could have a non-magic kid suggests that the magic gene is recessive, much like blue eyes would be. Yes. So yeah, it's it's the odds are against you for having magic. It's definitely a minority of people then. Yes, it is. And I think that it's interesting that there is no governing force that is necessary in order to be a witch or a wizard in this world. But there is also kind of a hint of religion that happens throughout both the books and the movies. Uh, at one point, they pass by a church during Christmas. It's generally implied that there are religious systems in place in this world, but it doesn't seem like that's in any way affiliated to how 
magic works. Okay, cool. That makes magic users sound a lot like the X-Men. That is, in fact, my favorite headcanon, that the magic gene is a precursor to the X gene, which later evolves into homo superior in the X-Men. Because if you have a bunch of people that are evolving to have this magic gene, have this ability to manipulate these forces that are already existent in the world, then I don't see how you couldn't go from there to developing the X gene where you have people who can manipulate actual natural forces in the world. People like Aurora Monroe, like Storm, who is often labeled as a weather witch in the X-Men comics. This is my headcanon. So in this in this scenario, either the complete Harry Potter series is a prequel to or an alternate universe take on the X-Men. Yes. I'm into this. This is good. I want to see more of that. Yeah, I do too. I, I feel like there's definitely, there's a link there. I feel like I want to know what happens in between the evolution of like magical Britain to mutant Britain. I feel like there's like a really cool story in between those two. I want all of it. I want magical people evolving into mutants. Nice. All right, now moving on to everybody's favorite part of the show. If you could invite either Hermione Granger or Zatanna Zatara into your own coven, which one would you choose and why? Well, Hermione is really cool, but honestly, I think as far as having a brainy, research-obsessed person in the coven, I've got that role covered. So I would probably invite Zatanna because, first of all, she can teach me about sleight of hand magic, which I have no idea about. Yeah, you've got the practical magic. You don't have like the, the impressed kids at a birthday party magic. No, and I need that skill. That yeah. would be really exciting to have. And also, you've, you've got a kid. You've got a lot of birthday parties coming up in the next 18 or something gonna, years. There's going to be birthday parties. I got to learn how to manifest some rabbits. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, like out of a hat, not just like uh, on my pentagram. Right. Because those suckers multiply like crazy and it's harder to get rid of them when you can't just stuff them into a hat. Right. And also I think the other moms would be really alarmed by the pentagram rabbits. Well, that's when you start cutting moms in half. Right, right. That's that's then the the logical next step. Um, but I think Zatanna would also be a great addition to the coven because she could teach me about writing backwards spell incantations, which are really pretty cool. And she's got that great wardrobe. I feel like she would probably share fishnets with me. I feel like we would have I feel like we would be good friends. I feel like we we would hang out outside of the coven too. So I'm going to go with Zatanna. You know, it's a shame we have to choose one or the other cuz I feel like Zatanna and Hermione would get along so well. They have so much in common. They do. You know, the first time Zatanna really took on a starring role was in a book in the early 90s called The Books of Magic written by Neil Gaiman of all people, and that was a story of Timothy Hunter who was destined to be the greatest magic user in the land. And he is a lot like Harry Potter. He's a preteen British boy with a mop of brown hair and thick round glasses who doesn't know what he's doing, but is destined to be like the chosen one. And Zatanna is basically his mentor. She teaches him how to use magic and how to navigate the world. 
actually when the Harry Potter books came out, like five or six years later, a lot of people pointed at Neil Gaiman and were like, hey, this is ripping you off. And he said, no, 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 no. I'm ripping off other stuff that came before us, which I'm sure J.K. Rowling was also reading. We're both just pulling from the same pool of ideas. This is not original. But seeing as Zatanna and Hermione both had characters like that in their lives that they had to deal with, I feel like they would have very cathartic conversations. I was about to say, they they wouldn't start a coven that start a support group. Yes. Like, I survived... The British Chosen One. <laughs> Ask me how. Ask me how. Yeah, I I think that would be, I think that would definitely be what they would do. That's great. The final issue of Marvel's Mockingbird series features a t-shirt that says, Ask me about my feminist agenda. <laughs> I feel like Zatanna and Hermione would rock that so hard. So hard. Uh, as for me, I'm actually going to flip the script on this one. I'm going to say Hermione is in my coven, primarily because that whole erasing people's memories and changing their personalities thing that Satana does kind of freaks me out. I don't I don't want to be near that. Okay, I I'm going to have to pause that right there because Hermione erases all memory of herself having existed from her parents when she's trying to protect them during the end times when Voldemort comes back and she sends them to Australia. We really need to have this support group. They have a <laughs> lot to work out together. They have a lot to work out. Well, now I'm conflicted. Now that I'm remembering that, I'm very conflicted. They're so similar. They're both really cool. They are. Arguably, Zatanna has the cooler outfit. I'm not saying that's the basis for choosing her for your coven. I'm just pointing it out as a fact on the table. She's got a great outfit. I would also say that she would really get along with the musical stylings of the Sanderson sisters and the Spellmans. Right? Ooh, she, would, yeah. she would probably be really down with that. We're so, just going to keep every week building this witchy nightclub, aren't we? Yes. This the, should be a new segment of the show, is, is building our witch nightclub. The, the witch nightclub, yes. Yes. So it, so in the witch nightclub, Satana, not only would she be able to put on her own act, because now this nightclub went from just uh, – musical numbers it's a little bit more like a cabaret right because you've got magic maybe there's some comedy and some music there's free snacks off-brand snacks but they're still there they are Mm -hmm. and i feel like all of the people attending this nightclub would be so used to actual magic that stage magic would feel like such a release for them. Such a novelty. Yeah, like novelty, exactly. Yeah. I think Zatanna would make a killing there. Conversely, yeah. I'm trying to imagine Hermione in this nightclub, and she's just kind of a narc. Yeah, she's a little bit of a narc. She, she's, I feel like she'd be a wet blanket. She would. She probably would be. But you know what? She does have her moment in, I can't remember what book it is, when they have that ball, and she gets all dolled up, and everybody's like, oh my god, who's that girl? <gasps> it's Hermione mm-hmm. Granger! And she looks great, and then she dances she gets with... That, she gets that hunky jock from crumb. the other school. Yeah. Mm. hmm hmm so, I think the first time we see Ron get really jealous. Yeah, it is. It's, nice. it's also the first time Ron realizes, like, oh, she's a girl, and maybe I have feelings for her because I'm a big dummy. God, Ronald Weasley. What is wrong with you, Ronald Weasley? <sighs> But yeah, so... Get it together, man. So I think Hermione, you know, given the right company, would probably have a great time at our yeah. at our witch nightclub. But more importantly, we need more acts for the stage, and that's where Zatanna comes in. Yes. So does that 
mean that you're inviting her into your coven? I realize we've gone down a uh, a dark and twisted path, and that's totally fine. You know, I've been swayed. I've been swayed over her her appreciation for the fine art of of live stage performance. She's the one I would want to spend more social time with, I think. As much as I and everyone else in the world loves Hermione Granger, she is arguably the most iconic and beloved witch of our generation. Zatanna, I feel like I would simultaneously learn a lot from her and just kind of have a good time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm into this, especially if we're in the nightclub scenario. Absolutely. Which I think is where we're pivoting this show now. Mm-hmm. We may stop thinking about covens and start thinking about a witchy nightclub. <laughs> no, I think I think it's a two-part deal. Like, first you have to um, summon the powers of darkness, and then afterwards, what are you going to do to blow off steam after you've, you know, spent all that time chanting? You gotta head over to the witch nightclub. This makes me think of um, the episode of The Simpsons where Homer is desperately trying to make Bart not gay, even though Bart is not <laughs> gay. He brings him to the steel mill to show him real men at work and there's all these big burly dudes with glistening pecs and cover in like one piece coveralls and hard hats oh my son doesn't stand a chance the whole world's gone gay oh my god what's happening now we work hard we play hard and then a disco ball comes down and a foam party starts <laughs> <laughs> and Homer just covers Bart's eyes and pulls him away. That's what this makes me think of. Like, you, you do the coven and then you have the nightclub. Like, we work hard, we play hard. Right, right. So that about wraps it up for this episode of Which Witch is Which. To find out more about your local Chosen One support group, email us at witchwitchcast at gmail.com or tweet us at witchwitchcast. That's W-H-I-C-H-W-I-T-C-H-C-A-S-T. We'll be back on November 23rd. Until then, peak Nikitkarp Ruoi Snoit Nazi. That's, uh, keep practicing your incantations. <laughs> <laughs>